She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. This is a a big deal. I think this this conference, this collection of people and what they're doing across the country in terms of religious broadcast options and outlets, yeah. that's a big deal. Welcome into a special edition of uh, Making the Leap on the Road, I guess. <laughs> this is the first one that we've actually taken out of the confines of this place. Well, outside of the building anyway. We went on the road to Nashville, Tennessee uh, this past week and attended something called the National Religious Broadcasters Association Convention, which if you don't know about that, I'd never been. I know you'd never been. (laughs) But what we learned about the National Religious Broadcasters Association is it is huge. Thousands and thousands of people. They're from all different areas related to just media um, sharing messages, sharing ideas. I couldn't believe just when you're talking about, I, I think of podcasting or maybe radio, but it branched out into so many different areas. I know that there were some clips that we were showing on um, that were showing media. up on social media yeah. as we were there. And so hopefully if you haven't seen those, you're able to go back and find some of those because I, I think it just kind of, sh- it, it showcases the variety of who we met and who we talked with. So the NRB has a staff of people that put together the conference every year, and they have a communications director that we met named Noel. Noel Heisinger. Heisinger. Uh, she's a fascinating young lady, lady, grown woman, whatever she is, <laughs> younger than us, and she uh, worked in President Trump's administration. Yes. And now she works for the NRB as kind of their spokesperson. And again, this is a national organization. What uh, interested me so much about her is I found out that she was homeschooled. Her which entire- I loved, yeah, and I love talking with her about that, which I know you know we'll show here, but just she was very adamant in in her com in her comments to us that it didn't have to be homeschool, didn't have to be you know a a private Christian school. It's whatever the family felt was best in terms of education, but that she specifically for our for the purposes of our conversation was homeschooled, um, and that is contrary to what some of the popular opinions are about homeschooling and where it can lead and and what you can do with a homeschool education. A lot of people worried about accreditation, worried about experiences. And well, she ended up where she ended up for a part of her work career, and that's a big deal. Yeah, that's what I think is so impressive about this conversation is for people that think, oh, I don't know, homeschool, and I'm not sure if the kids are as qualified when they come. <laughs> well, I mean, take a listen to her story. <laughs> You know, this being the first year that we've been to the National uh, Religious Broadcasters uh, Conference here in Nashville, I hope this will be the first of many, many visits, but because it's the first time we've ever been, one of the most helpful resources who helps organize this whole thing and keep it running is Noelle, and I'm going to butcher her name even though I practiced it a thousand times, Heisinga. Close? Just about right. Almost right. (laughs) You say it so it's right, please. Heisinga. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, she she is the director of communications for this whole operation. Like she makes it all run and hum. And so first of all, thank you for having us. We have just enjoyed ourselves thoroughly. We're so glad you're here. You know, NRV is made up of the longtime members and the first timers. And it's not the same without both ends of that spectrum. <laughs> We're so. learning a lot. It's amazing. I don't think, here's what I, I'll be honest about. I did not know, you know, we advocate for uh, Christian education at the Herzog Foundation, but I didn't really appreciate 
the size and scope of people in the Christian media space. I didn't really understand how big it is. We do. We just keep walking and looking at signs, looking at people and looking at each other, thinking, oh, my gosh, because we're in our little corner of Smithville, Missouri. And it's just this giant event and thing and movement across I mean, everywhere. It's incredible. And if you didn't know, this is actually NRB's 80th anniversary that we're celebrating in 2024. So NRB was founded in 1944, originally for radio broadcasters. These were the early days of radio broadcasting, and they were facing regulatory battles that really threatened the future of that niche aspect of the industry. Um, But since that time, NRB has grown to include first television, then digital, then um, PR of all types, advertising, film. And today, you know, when you look around at the Christian media landscape, Faith-driven entertainment is absolutely booming. It's attracting investors like none other. Digital po- digital projects, faith faith-driven digital projects, or you know, Pray.com is one of our sponsors of the NRB convention. They've had 14 million downloads of their app since it launched. Man. It's incredible. Well, and we spoke with Grace Media downstairs earlier today mm-hmm. as well, and that's you're exactly right. And I think that's the that's the amazing piece of this is the media to kind of combat what else is out there that isn't necessarily fitting for just kind of a, a christian community no right. down in the uh, sh- uh b- below where we're standing is a convention hall full of exhibits i don't know how else to describe it yeah. so how would you describe it because if you know if people have never been to this convention they should know what it is i think it's fascinating because it's all facets you know people like us who talk about education but much much more than that it's it's incredible i was just down there we were just having a workshop about regulatory issues related to christian broadcasting and so as i was crisscrossing the exhibit hall it's it's dizzying if it's your first time there or it even really your is. first time this <laughs> yes. year it's yes. incredible it's everything it's communications technology there's live broadcasts happening there's ministry solution there's churches advocacy payment platforms everything for, like everything to I couldn't believe it. I mean, if you're looking for alternative <laughs> solutions where yes. Christians will not be deplatformed, the NRB convention exhibit hall is the place to be. You uh, and I were talking a little bit privately, and the reason we invited you here was because in addition to being a great spokesperson <laughs> for the NRB, you also happen to be the product of homeschool. That's correct. That's and, correct. And you had a fascinating life so far as a young person already. Uh, you've, you've had time in the White House. That's correct. Right? And now correct. director of communications for the NRB. And every time you meet somebody who has been homeschooled, uh, I've, I've yet to not be impressed by <laughs> their their smarts, their ability, their capabilities, uh, their poise, their presence, right? Yes, we talk um, about it all the time. It's just noticeable. And I, I, I don't know how often you've been told that as you were coming up, raised by your folks and homeschooled, but... That's a common denominator, isn't it? Well, that's a very kind word. You know, I can't presume to know what everyone's experience with homeschooling was like, but yeah. mine was incredible. Yeah. It really was amazing. And I credit so much of that to my mom, just with her uh, discernment and expertise as to what was the best curriculum, what were the best approaches? When was it time to find solutions outside the home and kind of supplement that home education with different tutors and classes and co-ops and different solutions? Um, so I really credit my parents for their uh, for their wisdom there. But I had a wonderful experience um, as a homeschooled student. I was homeschooled all the way through my high school graduation. And then after that, I actually went on to attend Patrick Henry College, which, as you may know, is a college mm-hmm. attended by many people who were homeschooled right. previously. And you, from the beginning, K through 12, you were homeschooled. I was, yes. Did you ever, tell the truth, Sure. did you ever say to your parents, I'm missing what's going on out there in the 
in the world, the K through 12, the public Mm -hmm. schools. I'm missing it, mom. Mm -hmm. I want to go see. It's such an interesting question. You know, this topic of socialization, maybe there's a better word for it now, you know, comes up so much in the discussion of homeschooling. There are there are two sides to that coin, at least maybe more than two. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I I would say I benefited growing up from being part of a family that was very involved with the church community. So we had a lot of peers that we spent time with, a lot of other families that were like minded, a lot of other homeschooling families. It's not necessary if you're homeschooling to, you know, primarily befriend people who are also homeschooling families, but it it does help because your children will have similar schedules and you can get them together and they can practice their social skills. Um, But, you know, I think that being said, you know, my parents did an amazing job in that environment and making sure that those social skills were well developed. And we had lots of opportunities to kind of pursue things early and often that we were interested in that were extracurricular. You know, today's parents are in a very different cultural environment. And they may not be quite as concerned about socialization as protecting their children from some of the the influences yeah. that are out there. Now, socialization is not a necessarily a good thing. <laughs> Maybe well, not always, right? And ensuring that that socialization takes place in an aligned, a values aligned mm-hmm. environment. Yes. Were you aware of were you aware of, of being different when you were kind of coming? I mean, you said you were around a lot of other homeschool families. Right. Were you aware that there was this whole other world out there? Did you feel like you were missing anything? And we ask because, again, we speak with a lot of right, a lot of families well, who whole, are worried about the that. whole point of our show is to kind of encourage parents and maybe students who are considering it, you know, to make the leap, because it's for a lot of us who have just experienced private Christian school mm-hmm. for the first last couple of years with our daughter. Um, we try to dispel myths, you know, people that kind of have these fears that maybe it's odd or weird right. or different right. or difficult. So we always like perspective yeah. from people that have been in it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I was aware that there were different people doing different things. You know, we were friends with the kids in the neighborhood and mm-hmm. the kids in the neighborhood went to the public school while we were homeschooled. And, you know, I think that this can be just a little bit of a sidebar, but I think that that can be one way to instill in your children. If you're homeschooling or maybe doing some alternative educational program and, you know, their, their peers are maybe in public school, it's a great way to teach your kids confidence. We don't all have to be the same. We don't mm-hmm. all have to be doing the same things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's best for you may not be what's best for somebody else. And so that's the first thing. But, you know, I I was always aware that those things were out there. And um, I think it's important to recognize that homeschooling may not be the best solution for every family, right? Not the best solution right. for every child. Um, I think for me, it was a great fit, though. And so those differences were very tolerable. And um, I tended to see the silver lining in those differences. <laughs> Listen, I, when you tell me that you have made your way to the White House, this is something our friend Sam Sorbo mm-hmm. says all the time. She right. hates when she hears parents say, oh, I could never teach. I could never teach. I mean, your your mother, I assume, did the bulk of the education. She did. Uh, educating. Uh, I, did she ever imagine that she'd be educating a, a, a woman <laughs> a that would grow to go to work at the White House? I mean, I, I don't think many homeschool parents necessarily think about where their kids are going, but that's quite an accomplishment. Well, that question of outcomes is such an interesting one, you know, and I think that the mentality that my parents brought to their version of homeschooling was that they were hoping to turn out adults who were strong in their faith, Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily people who would achieve certain professional outcomes or, um, you know, receive certain awards and recognitions. Those things are really blessings when they happen. And um, you you use the phrase made it to the White House. I couldn't have planned that. That was a door that got (laughs) opened for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And was it related to my homeschool education? I definitely think there are connections you know from a really early age uh, my my mom encouraged a lot of reading a lot of learning I loved U.S. history absolutely relished that type of um, literature and those different types of materials so um, those seeds were planted very early kind of that interest in 
being part of the life of the nation. And, um, you know, I think that homeschooling allows the imagination to soar in a real, in a way that, you know, you, if you, if you grow up believing those kinds of things are possible, you're ready to walk through those doors when they open. Well, and you're not, you're no. not stuck with a 45-minute yeah. bell ring, 45-minute right. bell ring. You can do so many things that I think foster that, con the concept of like who you are versus what you're going to be and, right. you know, who you are and where you're going to go. There's just preconceived notions yeah. about being homeschooled, outcomes, what that means, the socialization thing, parents doubting whether they can or not. The reason I thought you were such a compelling story is uh, you, you have through God's help and wisdom and plan, you have ascended to great places and you've never set foot in a traditional school. And we hear people all the time say, well, our kids have got to go off to the traditional four-year right. university or they miss can't out find a good job or they'll they miss don't. out or we got to have the school sports or the, kind of these bromides that mm -hmm. really aren't true. And you're a walking example of that. Right. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. You know, uh, each, each student has their own way of learning, their own mm -hmm. passions and, um, you know, I, I, I don't subscribe at all to the belief that the traditional path is the best one for everyone. Obviously yeah. so. <laughs> Thank you for inviting us, I guess. Uh, we mm -hmm. talked to your president, uh, at least I did, on my radio show. Mm -hmm. And he said, why don't you come down? And I said, you know, we should. And we're going to take making a leap down there, too. And so I've been doing the broadcast on the radio side and doing this podcast. And we've learned a ton. So yeah. we'll be back every year. And we really appreciate really your, appreciate your hospitality. Yes. Thank you so much, yes. Chris and Christine. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful speaking with you. During our stay at the NRB in Nashville, we also had uh, the opportunity to talk with a guy that I, th I think a lot of people know. He does his own program out there mm -hmm. as a broadcaster. He is a uh, Southern Baptist pastor, I believe, as well. His name is Tony Perkins. He's also president of the Family Research Council. Um, Tony's a very, very well-known figure in uh, evangelical circles, in broadcast circles. He's he's pretty politically active, too. I believe he was part of right. Trump's uh, the, the last Trump campaign. Uh, President Trump, by the way, coming up in this show in a little while, I should say, he came to this convention right. and he made some very interesting yes. uh, comments about uh, education in particular, which we're going to play for you in a little bit. But before we get to that, I thought you'd enjoy a little bit of our conversation with Tony. What a thrill it is to be with uh, Tony Perkins. Tony has been actually a guest. Well, no, I let me rephrase that. You invited our president of the Herzog Foundation, yeah. Daryl uh, Jones on your show to talk about the Herzog Foundation, expanding Christian education. It is great to be with you, sir. Well, thank you, Chris. Good to be with you. The uh, Faith uh, Research, uh, excuse me, the Family Research Council. You are the longest serving president. I was just reading, which I did not know. Yeah, twenty over twenty years. So wow. I've been there, been, been there a while. Can you just briefly, for folks that may not know, what what well, uh, the council is? We've been around forty years. I've been there half the uh, organization's life. What we do is we work to shape public policy from a biblical perspective. Right, we're unapologetically Christian, Bible believing. Uh, we believe that uh, if the the Bible and the principles in Scripture were good enough to build a nation upon. They're good enough to guide a nation with today. And so we advocate for public policy that is in alignment with God's word. And to that end, I wanted to pick your brain briefly because you're a busy man. So I wanted to ask you, when it comes to public policy, state by state, as we discuss education and the right. state of education, where are you and what have you been interested in as that's developed over the last years? Well, I mean, for a multiple fronts of concern and of interest, I mean, as a father of five, obviously very interested in education, we homeschooled all of our children. Um, I'm a product of public education, but that's been a few years back. Before it went nuts. Before it went, uh, it went wacko. Yeah. Uh, but it's become centers of indoctrination. And so, you know, there was a time when I felt like, you know, we ought to 
you know, be there and have a presence. I, I think that our children should not be sacrificed in terms of a public education system. Now, that said, I do not think we should abandon it from a standpoint of, I think we need to send young people who are called to teach into the public schools as missionaries mm -hmm. uh, to take the light into a very dark place. We need to run for school boards and we need to try to do a course correction. But when we look at it, the vast majority of kids are going into public schools. What we cannot get out into homeschool or into private education, we need to influence that system, but not with our children. We need to pull our children out of the public education system. Yes, and we've spoken with the uh, homeschool legal defense folks, and you know, because your children have been through it, there's been a decades-long fight in this country for the right to homeschool without oh, yeah. harassment. Oh, I've, I've been in those fights. As a legislator back in, in Louisiana in the early days, it was a day-to-day -day struggle to make sure that you didn't have these over, overly zealous government officials coming in to tell you what you could or could not do. And to that end, may I ask then, and I no wrong answer, just curious, I know there's been often uh, some division about homeschool and Christian education, the school choice movement, understandably, uh, those of that homeschool era that really had to fight, as you just mentioned. Right. Little mistrustful, frankly, sometimes of government, of, of, of well, of, of the idea of uh, government dollars, taxpayer dollars. Oh yeah, well, back. I and I will. I, I'm in that category. From I advocated and authorized or uh, authored legislation that dealt with that from a standpoint of tax credits, uh, refundable tax credits, as opposed to vouchers. Uh, just from a standpoint of being concerned about those government strings coming in. Now, so for instance, like universal school choice, like Governor Sanders in Arkansas or Governor Reynolds in Iowa, you do or do not really well, care for I that. I mean, it, it, it depends on the overall structure. I mean, I think we, we, we do have to look long term. Okay. Now, you know, Governor Sanders, solid, you know, great governor, um, but she's not going to be there forever. Right. And it's the same thing when we looked back at, Totally different subject, but it provided an example. George W. Bush, when he was president after 9-11, uh, when we put forth the Patriot Act. Now, I was not a fan of the Patriot Act back then because I knew that at some point there would be another administration that could misuse it. Voila. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. So I, I think we just need to be mindful that what we see today is not what we'll have tomorrow. So we need to try to structure our public policy so that it is resistant to those who would be hostile to our values. Final question, I'll let you run. What would you say to young parents with young children? I know yours are grown, mine are uh, almost finished with high school, but to those who have the little ones who are thinking, what do I do? Can I homeschool? Can I teach them myself? Should I keep them out of public school and do it a different way? What would you say? Ah, cherish every moment. Um, you know, we were not gonna homeschool. I, I, I was a reporter uh, before I got into politics in between my law enforcement career became a reporter, long story. But I did a story on homeschooling um, and and I went home. I told my wife about it. I said, hey, we, and we had, had not we just had our first child. I said, look, this is a great thing called homeschooling. And she said, we're not doing that. <laughs> now, see, that's normally not the story. Normally, it's the, the, the ladies, the mothers are usually embracing. Oh, no. and the fathers I'm not wearing those June, those uh, blue jean jumpers. You know, we're not doing that. <laughs> the denim dresses. Yeah, right. And so I said, OK, all right. So my daughter uh, turns five, time for kindergarten. And it was time for her to go to school. And the bus pulls up. My wife says, I can't do that. I'm not putting her on the bus. Wow. And so 
we've home my wife has homeschooled five kids all the way through she's been you know we still have a 16 year old that's still in the process but um no looking back now i will tell you this and, and this is my wife would actually say it better uh to any mother who's doing it do it one day at a time one year at a time don't don't get lost in what's down the road because you'll be overwhelmed i don't know calculus yeah you know if they're but in my wife looks yeah. back now and we talk about this frequently how thankful she is that we homeschooled our kids mm -hmm. our family is tight-knit my my children interact with one another uh they are extremely socialized you know all of the things that we hear that doesn't work for homeschoolers uh in fact it's the opposite so i would say look this is your most important responsibility and opportunity as a parent is to train your children not just to do calculus not just to know american history but to know the lord to walk with him to know the way in which you should go and no one can do that better than a parent who knows the lord tony it's a pleasure thank you for your visit today i appreciate it thanks chris I think it's always important to have a little bit of humor as you're <laughs> talking yes. with all these people. And uh, one where that had us laughing consistently um, beyond after talking with her was Bridget Cameron, who is a relation to Kurt Cameron, to Candace Bure Cameron. Um, and she was there with the promotion of her book, um, which is titled um, Over Overlooked. Overlooked. Think for a second. What a sweet lady yes, this is. So nice and Pocket short. size. Pocket size. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever met a woman this short. She was, she was tiny. She was a tiny one, and she, but full of energy, full of enthusiasm for just what God has done growing up kind of in that, um, I, she, I think she actually said the phrase, growing up in the shadow of some famous, famous siblings. siblings. And so she... She was there talking with us. And one thing that I just enjoyed, you know, you're you're interviewing people. We were down on the floor talking with people and in the exhibit hall. We were standing at our in our area, kind of in our booth space. But our booth space was a table with microphones set up to talk with people. And Bridget um, barely cleared the table. Wonderfully could not reach the microphone. So we yeah. went ahead and we had to pull <laughs> had to pull one of our cases with all our equipment over so that she could stand and then we had to explain it because she said, well, nobody's going to understand or <laughs> she's not talking to other people that are 4'11". We were talking to her. So we just had some good, you know, conversation around that, but made you know, sure that we helped her out there. <laughs> what I loved about this conversation too is uh, she you know the I think it's Candace Cameron and her brother Kirk Cameron, of yes. course. They, you, you know Candace from Full House, right. and you know Kirk, of course, from Growing Pains and right. all their work. They're still doing TV and all kinds of things. They have a, th a third sibling, Melissa, Melissa, mm -hmm. which I didn't know as well. Yes, but Melissa is a focus in this conversation because she's actually a mom of several homeschool kids, I think like five that she's homeschooling. So we do stray into that mm -hmm. conversation about homeschooling, right. and and then she tells a fascinating faith story about how her brother Kirk brought basically their the entire family. To faith. to faith and just no. I, I think which again just kind of showcases a lot of the you just never know you know you don't know where that connection is going to come and you don't know where that growth is going to come from so listen in on this conversation we had we're here right now talking with Bridget Cameron Reidenauer who has a new book out called Overlooked and we are just one of the greatest things about being here and getting to meet people in all different capacities. We've got media, authors, bloggers, podcasters, and we've got you today. And all to different talk. sizes, by the way. <laughs> I know. So here's what you should know. You, this is you, the real stuff. You watching this. Now, those of you who listen, you can't see it. Those of you who right. watch this, 
right. what you should know <laughs> is that uh, Bridget is actually, if you see the cover of the book, mm -hmm. I suppose your brother on the cover is, this yes. is true to form. This, this is true height. This is, yes, 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 yes. True so to height, you're, yes. you're actually a very petite, short, <laughs> shorter lady. I am. I'm feeling very tall and strong and right? we are missing chairs <laughs> we, so, so. We, we put you on a we literally stood you on a box and now you tower over us so yeah. i don't want people to think yeah. that you're a Yo. giant woman you're, no you're I, i'm only 411 <laughs> really and yeah so um my husband will fight me on that statement but um but yeah so i'm actually on um yeah, some we're on a crate. We're, a, we're crate good. a crate. So a crate. the book is called Overlooked, and I think everybody kind of obviously understands that a couple of your uh, siblings, in particular, are pretty well-known household names from their television years. Yeah. Is that the impetus for the title? Um, yeah, it just—it's really a story of a memoir of myself growing up in a family of two famous siblings. And what people really don't know is that. Um, when my mom finally agreed to take us to a Hollywood agent, she really was taking the four of us um, there, but really kind of pursuing it for me. I was the little performer in the family. Okay. I did all the musicals, the the plays, things like that. Kirk, I mean, Candace was so young at the time and Kirk really wasn't into it. But uh, that day that we met with that agent, she ended up taking my three siblings and not me. I really? didn't get chosen that day, which was a complete shock to wow. my mom. And as a mother, you can understand the heartache for your child that wants something so badly and they don't get chosen. But now they have to watch their siblings, you know, grow up and do all the things that they want to do. And so Overlooked is really just a story of my life in, in growing up with, with them in Hollywood and just how God had such a plan and a purpose in my life. Um, and how, um, you know, I was feeling overlooked. I was feeling like, God, did you forget about me? Did you overlook me? How come you're not opening the doors that I so wanted to be a performer in the industry? And how come you're not allowing that for me to happen? And, um, you know, uh, um, I share stories, personal stories. May I ask you about sure. your family, your parents, just sure. because I know that faith is the, mm -hmm. the constant streamline through all of you, yeah. obviously, yeah. deep faith. Were you raised that way? And what would you say to parents? You know, we talk to parents on this show. Um, how, if that's true, that your parents raised you that way, how did they do it successfully in your view? Well, I will tell you, we did not come from a Christian home. Okay. Okay. There was no faith in our home, no oh. religion. In okay. Our home. So, so, then, so that is that. not, okay. yeah, yeah. Most people, they will think, oh gosh, this Cameron family was mm -hmm. raised this way. Mm -hmm. No, we were not. My dad's parents were atheists. My dad was an atheist. My mom knew um, Christ as a little girl. Um, you know, we went to church on Christmas and Easter. Okay. That's when we went to Christmas or to uh, church mm -hmm. as a family. And so it wasn't until Kirk um, in the height of his career as a the, one of the most famous teen heartthrobs <laughs> right. of that time, he was dating a girl that brought him to church for the first time, and he heard the gospel for the very first time, and he drove home, and he thought, if I were to die today, I wouldn't be going to heaven. Of all the things, that, all the good wow. things that I was doing, I wouldn't be going to heaven. And so Kirk really pursued that, kept going to church, kept learning about God and, and who Jesus was and the good news. And he started sharing that with us as a family. His character on growing pain started changing um, mm -hmm. of things he would do and wouldn't do. Right. Uh, and Kirk and I are only 10 and a half months apart. We're like Irish twins, I guess. <laughs> so... Um, 
So so he talked to you about this. Yes. And we couldn't. Parents. No, it was Kirk who started started planting those little seeds Mm -hmm. just by talking and sharing, never just, you know, shoving it in our faces or whatever, but asking if we wanted to go to church. And because Kirk and I are so close, Mm -hmm. I respect him. I love him. And anything that he believes is right he researches, he asks questions, he does all of that. And if he says, Bridget, this is good, then I want that because I trust my brother. And I couldn't go to my parents. I couldn't go to my mom or my dad to really ask these questions because they didn't even really know. So it just kind of, you know, kind of just uh, snowballed and you know what I love that, about it? Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I, no, I, no, I no. just I'm dying to know uh, when you're talking about being raised in a home really devoid of that and you guys catch fire. Yeah. Are you speaking to your parents about it? Do they how do they receive it as parents? This is kind of you usually don't hear it this way. So are your parents listening? Are they interested? Are they arms linked? Yeah, well, of course, my mom was because she knew she, Christ as mm-hmm. a little girl. Yeah. But my dad was a school teacher for 30 five years and so being a teacher he had a lot of questions Uh so he would go to kirk again the same thing kirk was starting to become very knowledgeable and so my dad would ask a lot of questions but he was still very hesitant so um we all eventually you know um uh accepted christ my dad was the very last one because he just had questions which i think is okay absolutely yes Mm -hmm. very very much so and so um You know, he finally, um, we didn't know this, but my dad actually did finally accept Christ. My brother got to baptize him at a men's retreat. So to think here, this, my brother who used to pick on me and tease us (laughs) girls and get us in trouble, brought us all to the Lord. And it's just so amazing because even though God chose our family to be in the dark world of Hollywood and we didn't know who Christ was, Christ still had his hand and his hedge of protection over our family because he knew how he was going to use us in all of this. And little did I ever think and see and, you know, comprehend that I would be writing a book. I would be going across the United States and speaking at women's conferences and conventions and things like that and meeting you and mm-hmm. and just, you know, just giving hope to people out there that might have felt how I felt as a child yes. and just knowing God has such a plan and a purpose for everyone, even at a young age. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, moms and dads that have young kids out there that might be struggling, like, God, what what do you want? my child to do or God, what do you want me to do? I just, you know, I just encourage to just let the Lord lead and open those doors, but never stop realizing our plan and our purpose here is to be in the will of God. Which is far beyond anything. It's beyond church. It's beyond school. It's beyond every, it's just, that to me is the most powerful thing of all, because Mm -hmm. once you have that, I think it does permeate everywhere else. Do you have kids, Bridget? I do. How many? I have three children. Well, I should say, I have four children. I have three here, beautiful children on earth. I have one daughter that's in heaven. Um, and I share that story also of my miscarriage um, in my book, which is a pow- another powerful story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, our oldest son, Cameron, 
um, which is kind of ironic. You know, you can, there, people funny. say you can't have a son named Cameron because yeah. then it's Cameron Cameron. Yeah, and I'm like, no, yeah. I'm married. I'm married. So, so it is not that. <laughs> it's not that. But my oldest son, Cameron, um, is 22. Our son, Everett, is 20. And our daughter, Reese, will be 18 next month. So how, how did you raise them? That's what we want to know as Christian as parents Christians. who are trying to influence our own kids and as people who listen and consider what do we do with our kids who maybe are in public school right now. Well, or and you reference the dark, the dark, you yeah. know, this dark yeah. culture, the this culture. dark force. Yeah. What do you advise parents right. to do? Oh, my goodness. Just um, obviously, you know, just keeping them in church, getting them in a good group of friends that will lift you up spiritually emotionally um and you know for us it was um our our oldest son cameron and well all of our kids went to public school um, mm -hmm. for quite some time but um at one point we did notice that cameron was definitely falling behind in school it just was not for him so we made the decision the tough decision to pull him out of public school put him in a private christian school where he flourished where other people i mean come on as 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 parents it takes an army to raise children Absolutely. right and so it's like you've got to have everybody feeding them the word or feeding mm -hmm. give, being a good influence and, and making sure that their friends are you know these friends that and families that are also going to spiritually right. teach your mm -hmm. children and speak into them can you explain that flourishing when you said he got to christian school and flourished how so oh my gosh like the the classroom sizes were smaller mm -hmm. okay um, he didn't feel so far behind if he couldn't um, he couldn't keep up in public school. Public school, there's like 40 plus kids <laughs> in a classroom and he's in the back waving the white flag going, I'm so lost. Where as private school, you had maybe what, 10, 12 kids in a classroom, Okay, yeah. you know, and if he had questions, he wasn't afraid to ask. And then he's, you know, learning what works for him. Is it visually? Is it, you know, audibly? Is whatever, what, however it works for him. Um, just started making great friends. Um, other teachers at the school just being uh, mentors to him and right. speaking to him. And he just, it was just like this whole, it was just a different it was just a different light. It's a whole, it is a different and environment. And they're learning yeah. God's word in yeah. Bible class. So you and advise exploring it as your point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I tried homeschooling. Mm -hmm. just was not for me. But sure. your sister, you But my us. sister, <laughs> Melissa. Oh, my goodness. My sister, Melissa, has five children. And she homeschools all of them. The oldest is <laughs> a senior. And the youngest is like in first or second right. grade. Wow. And I'm telling you, I laugh when I say this, but I'm so, I'm serious. My nieces and nephews on, from Melissa's family, <laughs> they literally could like own a business and run it themselves. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Because the things that she has taught them through mm -hmm. home educating that you don't learn in school now mm -hmm. They're just so incredibly smart and educated, and it's amazing. And I, it's just, yeah, Melissa, Melissa's amazing. Which is, again, I think that's the whole, I just love your title because I really, I don't believe God is missing anybody anywhere, but mm -hmm. we always have that tendency to feel sure. like it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're showing that he's not, and not within your family, not within your sister, brother's family. They're all doing what they need to do. It's for the kingdom, Absolutely. but it's in all different ways. And I think yeah. that is probably what we talk about the most well, is all I mean, these varieties. Your sister Melissa teaching five kids, that's busy enough. The, and the three of the, the rest of the three of you are actively touring, promoting, doing shows, writing books. 
all in your own you cognizance. As kids, yeah. I mean, when you were talking to your brother Kirk about Christianity, now today you three are <laughs> basically evangelicals, aren't no. you? I mean, you're <laughs> no, evangelizing. I, no, I didn't. And that's why I say, like, why did God pick us? Or why did he not pick you why back then? Why were you not picked? Yeah. yeah and, and I really think that um, if, if I had, if God gave me what I wanted, the desires of hmm. that I wanted, yes. you know, yes. um, I don't know if I would be here. You'd be one of those E! True Hollywood stories or <laughs> exactly, something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because don't end goodness well. that you're not. Right. And this, we need this. Right. More than we need that. that. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, as, as much as I wanted it so badly, obviously God knows mm-hmm. better. And um, but I think about and this is just for me personally. Sure. If God had given me all those desires, okay, Bridget, I'm going to have you touring. I'm going to have you doing this. I mean, I I auditioned for the Los Angeles traveling musical of The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to be on tour for like mm-hmm. over a year and I, I wanted it so badly. But for me, I think if he had opened those doors for me, I would have missed out, might have missed out mm-hmm. on the most important moments of my life. And that is being a mom of my kids. And I'm going to get emotional <laughs> because just that time that I got to be with them spiritually and, and, and moments in their life where they needed me, I was there. I was there. And, and I don't ever, ever, ever want to miss those moments. Sure. And so now my children are grown. Oh, right. And now God's going, it's your time. And here you are. It's your time. You are with on your shows like ours. I love it. Love your passion. Yes. Love love your work. Your entire family. What an inspirational story. Bridget, thank you, thank you so, so much so for coming. Oh, to be able to you. do this. This was such and a good By the way, can connection. we? Can she step down off the crate so everybody oh, yeah. can see? <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you, okay. what do you actually you look to, like? Hi, just step back there a minute. Yeah, just... Can you see her? Yeah, here, walk right here. Look at that. That's actually, that's Bridget. Thanks, Bridget. Thank you. Hilarious. Had to step down off the box there. Did you just, 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 it was, that, that box we had probably gave her like a, I know. a good two feet. But, and I don't normally feel like. A giant, but I did. In fact, when yeah. we were taking some pictures with her, I just I was like, do I do I bend down? Because I feel like you know. Yeah, but she sweet. was so gracious about all of it. So uh, the whole week down there in Nashville wrapped up. We we had many many more conversations, and I hope you'll check out our Making the Leap social media uh, for more interviews okay. and more content. But uh, the whole event kind of wrapped up on Thursday night down there in Nashville at the NRB, the Gaylord Opryland Hotel, where we were doing our shows and our tapings. Donald Trump. Uh, you might know that guy. He's uh, he's running for president, um, <laughs> and <laughs> he he decided to address the NRB. This is the first time, as I understand it, uh, maybe any president, but certainly Trump has addressed this group. I think before. that's what they said. Yes, and it was um, interesting. He was in rare form, and he made a couple of specific comments related to education and uh, the gender fluidity stuff and the PC stuff in schools. And I thought you would enjoy hearing a little bit from the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. Take a listen. Another top priority will be to take back our education system from the communists and the freaks that are destroying it. On day one, I will sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity, and other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content onto our children. Thank you. 
I will support a policy of universal school choice, allowing parents to choose the public-private charter or religious school that that best suits their children. And I will support America's homeschool families, including allowing 529 education savings accounts to be used for homeschooling expenses up to $10,000 a year per child, completely tax-free. So you can do that if you like it. And to me, very importantly, I will close the Federal Department of Education, and we will move everything back to the states where it belongs and where they can individualize education and do it with love of parents, love of everybody, but most importantly, the love and respect of their student. All right, this just in, this just in moments ago, I was just corrected by the research staff on the show. We have those here. And thank goodness. Yes, uh, George W. Bush and Ronald Reagan had also addressed the NRB, which makes sense because Ronald Reagan was an actor and a broadcaster. And I think it's important to note that, I mean, this is, this is a, a big deal. I think this this conference, this collection of people and what they're doing across the country in terms of religious broadcast options and outlets, yeah. that's a big deal. We'll so be I'm going glad. to this every year, I'm certain of it, and we'll have plenty more to say about it in the coming mm-hmm. years. And I would encourage you to go if it interests you. Uh, so with that, uh, we really appreciate you uh, letting us kind of go on the road, and you sampled a little bit of what we did while we were there at the NRB. You can follow along on uh, all our social media platforms if uh, you're interested and you want to go see some of the other interviews we didn't play here at uh, Making the Leap on, so we, what, Facebook? and Facebook, Instagram, I, YouTube. We've got all kinds of different options, outlets yeah, for people YouTube to look too. at. So we also all. showcase a few, you know, a few people um, that one of them specifically is – we're going to be talking with um, in an upcoming episode where he is talking about how to take some religious education and Christian education into public schools. So Ooh, kind stuff. of a neat, just neat avenues for people across the board. And with that, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And hope you'll rate this show. Give it five stars at Apple Podcast or Spotify. We really appreciate it. It means more coming from you than it does from us. <laughs> and we will see you next time on Making the Leap. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.